Welcome to the Inspired Women Podcast. I am your host, Megan Hall, psychology grad student, spouse, mom, and advocate for change. On this podcast, I provide a space for women to share their stories. Warning, sometimes we chat about taboo topics and drop some F-bombs. Thank you for tuning in with me today and enjoy the episode. Hi, everyone. Today, I'm here with Brenda. Brenda Ridgely is a coach, award-winning, and best-selling author, speaker, and girlfriend guru who loves helping women connect, find success, and discover joy through friendship and connection. Girlfriend guru. That is so cute. I love it. (laughs) Uh, She holds an MA in human resources and has spent decades cultivating her own tribe. In her spare time, Brenda enjoys hiking in the Rocky Mountains and creating memories with her family and girlfriends. Well, Brenda, thank you so much for coming on the podcast today. Megan, thank you so much for having me. I've been really looking forward to this ever since I learned about the Inspired Woman podcast. To hear, you know, sometimes it's a little awkward and I'm like, it doesn't have to be. It's literally, (laughs) I've been told just like talking to a friend. So I try to make it as easy as possible for people. Um, So in your application, I think it was an application. I'm pretty sure it was an application. I don't know. I lose track. I'm like, is it emails? Is that, I don't know. I used to not accept, side note, I used to not accept email pitches. One, because it's confusing for me. And two, I get paragraphs of information I honestly could give a care less about. Uh, I'm like, I don't need to know all this. And I have to read through it just to decipher what exactly somebody's trying to tell me. That's why I love the application because it's short and it's sweet and it gets right to the point. But anyway, so I get mixed up. I'm like, I think it was an application. In your application, uh, motherhood. I'm a mom. I'm a mom of four kids. I can relate to struggles with motherhood. Maybe not the same struggles you've been through. Um, My oldest is 20. I don't know what ages your children are at. What ages? Just give us. Uh, My youngest is 21 and my oldest is 23. So we're, you know, I'm a little ahead of you. You're a little ahead of me. Uh, And my, my other ones are smaller. So we have 13 and twins who are 11. So Yes, you, you have are, been you are in the heat of it. You're in the I, hit a bit. Yes. Yes. <laughs> the preteens and the teenagers. And I've already been through this once. And I'm like, I have to go through three teenagers at a time. I don't know how I'm gonna survive this. But uh so you tell us yeah, thank you. I will try. <laughs> so tell us a little bit about your journey with motherhood, your struggles, the things you've been through. I would be happy to. And it is uh it's a, you know, one of the most important roles and jobs or whatever that we ever yeah. have. Um, so meaningful and so uh, just heart centered. I mean, from the get go, um, I truly believe when you become a mother of any sorts, you physically, I mean, I think it's scientifically proven we are different from one day to the next once that happens. And uh, when I became a mother, I all of a sudden, It was all about my purpose. My purpose in life became, first of all, this boy that I brought into this world. I truly believed and I told people, this is the reason I was born, to to raise this boy into a young man who can uh, make a difference and an impact in the world because he's going to do that. 
And then the same thing when my, my daughter came along. So little by little over the years from, you know, once upon a time being very, very um, outgoing, actively engaged in my own stuff, um, my own interests, my own arts, my own uh, friendships, little by little, I started letting myself go. And this could be a little bit of a cautionary tale for you, Megan, and some of maybe your listeners um, that, well, I'll just, I'll just keep going here. Um, I, you know, instead of having my own, um, you know, pursuing my own writing interests and art of any sorts, I made sure I got my kids in all those things and I was shuffling them around. Um, really a cruise director of sorts or whatever. Uh, same thing with sports. I used to be if play, organize a softball team and do things like yoga and hiking. And all of a sudden those things came, I became the soccer mom and I became this cheerleader on the stands and my own friendships were replaced by play dates mm. because we have very limited time as moms. We are pulled in all directions and then we have that mom guilt that we better be setting our kids up for success and doing everything we can to, you know, just make, empower them and make them happy and all that. And, you know, we all, we do a great job of it, but unfortunately we lose ourselves along the way, or at least I did. And I've, and I've, in the research that I've done since then, when I found myself um, in this midlife funk, I, you know, maybe a little bit later than where you're at right now, Megan, um, I started to realize my kids, you know, just getting into high school and I kind of had a moment of panic that I was like, oh, my life mm -hmm. as I know it is coming to an end of sorts because it was all about them. Who was I anymore without my role as mom? When they launched into their next chapter, where where does that leave me? Who am I? Yeah. And it was, and it was truly a aha moment uh, where I started to, in a panicky way, just start to cling to every moment I call it, uh, <laughs> you know, create new things to, uh, maybe they'll stick around or maybe they'll come back after college or whatever. And like, I mean, I was really, really in this panicky mode. I've got to make sure here the, the last, this is coming up and the last, this, and the last that, and the last, and I was just so focused on what I was losing what I, yeah. that I couldn't even see the other side of that. And I fell into a, a depression of sorts, uh, mm -hmm. my midlife funk that I call it, that I just, you know, I, I was completely overwhelmed with to-do lists and commitments and schedules still, but I didn't want to do any of it. Mm. I was, I, I felt like I was living to fulfill and see through other people's passions and purpose, but I was not in any way connected to my own anymore. Yeah. I can really, so, uh, I kind of lost myself, uh, early on. So I've already, I've already done that. I've already been through <laughs> that long before my kids reached high school. I was a stay at home mom for the longest time. And I was, I'm not built to be a stay at home mom. I'm just going to be honest there. Some people are, some people aren't, and it's okay either way. And I'm not built. And I lost myself in being a stay at home mom and I have bipolar disorder. So depression just comes naturally to me. 
Mm. So I definitely spent a lot of time in depression because I had no purpose outside of them. And I was doing, I had no like social life except play, play dates. And I had all these things going on. And eventually I ended up starting my first business, which was fantastic because I was finally had something outside of them to be able to focus on. Um, and then first business turned into the second business and the second business turned into, I'm going back to college <laughs> Yeah, and now yeah, okay. I'm getting ready to, you know, graduate with my master's and all these things helps me have something outside of them and develop a social life outside of just being a mom and finding myself again. So I can totally relate to how important that is. And I want to add research also shows when a mom makes their children solely um, the center of the world and all about their identity that when the child fl flies the coop, it actually like they, they don't know what to do and mm -hmm. it can actually cause or not cause it can actually result in divorces because it ends up oh, like, yeah. yeah, it ends up like really impacting how uh, couples interact when the children have been the sole reason they were together. And now what do you do? You know what I mean? Right. Absolutely. Beyond just be, you forget why you fell in love in the first place and why you chose each other. And really you're just business partners for this job of raising kids. And you, at the end, uh, so many people do divorce. I mean, it's more than half, half, I think at this point in time, it's very, very yeah. sad because you end up at the end of that journey thinking, do I even like this guy anymore? I mean, <laughs> you know, we are not in alignment at all. So that, you know, there, there are, there's work to do there and there, there's some, some attention that's needed in that. So, yeah, I, 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 like you, Megan, I started letting myself go very early. And when people say, oh, she let herself go, they figure the weight gain, the yoga pants every right. day and make a free look, which of course I did <laughs> also, <laughs> but more, more of the essence of me was gone. And so, you know, I, it, when I'm in, I'm in this midlife, ugh, what's it all about? What's the meaning of life? You know, we're asking those big questions. Um, I wrote a letter to the universe saying, oh, universe, I'm I'm listening. Send me the message. S direct me which way to go. What do, I, what do I do to get out of this? And I finally started just doing some research, Googling what's wrong with me, <laughs> you know, <laughs> and I, I found out, you know, I did, a ton, I read so many books and I, so many articles. And what I discovered was, that I was lonely. Mm -hmm. I, nobody knew my life anymore outside of my family unit. My girlfriends and friendships had all become very superficial because they're all mm -hmm. social media driven. And of course, we're only posing, posting positive, the right. vacations, the new car, the puppy, the kids, whatever. I'm not showing them the muck that is my life and my failures and my fears, right? Uh, but I'd lost all the, that, those kind of connections where I could actually be truly me, authentic and vulnerable. So I felt like an imposter and I felt like I didn't fit in and I didn't mm. belong anywhere outside of my family. And now that they were all flying the coop, so you say, and, <laughs> and my husband, I was like, do I even want to hang out with this dude anymore? <laughs> That's where you're like, uh, so alone, I was lonely. And the thing is, I was surrounded by people 24 mm -hmm. seven. How can that be? There's such a disconnect. I have thousands of Facebook friends. How can I be lonely? I've got lots of friends, right? But 
they, none of them knew me and I did not feel like I belonged anywhere. I didn't, there, I did, there wasn't anyone that I could call and, and share with them what was really on my heart. And when I had that, when I realized that, you know, we have become the age of loneliness, just mm. like the ice age, the information age, <laughs> you know, the technology age, the, well, all those ages out there, the people, experts have called this because of all of our tech savvy uh, virtual solutions for everything, we are the loneliest generation. And the loneliest generation are our children. And th this is the age of loneliness. And I realized that I needed to take some major steps and get out of my comfort zone to get off the couch, stop binge watching Netflix, <laughs> and get out and meet some new people and spend some time on some of the friendships that I, the friends I would say that I did have to try to nurture them back into friendships. Yeah. Oh, I can, it's, it's cause they're, they're not true connections, right? That That's it. You can have, I mean, at one point in time, I too had thousands of Facebook friends. I've since like reduced that significantly, but I have thousands of Facebook friends and, but they're not true connections. And until you have that true connection with somebody and you can show them the intimate parts of yourself and your authentic nature, like it, it, it's really, you are going to be lonely. It's, it's really not a true connection. Like you're going to be like, okay, I, I quote unquote, know this person, but do you really know this person? Right. And, and having those like really intimate, true connections, that's, that's really important. So I can agree with you that like, you can have all these social media friends, but that doesn't mean you have any true friends, right? They're more of acquaintances. Right, right. And Dr. Robin Dunbar did studies on how many friends can we actually even have? I mean, mm -hmm. there is a limit. And at first I'm like, I don't like limits. Don't tell me how many friends I can have, right? But <laughs> there, there, are there are 150 people that you can know in your, that's your capacity. That's our capacity. Of course, you know, the, the thousands of social media friends and stuff, those, those are, you know, connections of sorts, you know, people that you can, that can maybe impact you a little bit and you can impact them. But the people that, that we kind of know, have a record, we can recognize and all that we're limited to 150 and, but we don't need to have 150 friendships. We, right. but we do need, I would, I propose that we need two to five besties that outside of our family that know us, love us, you know, will be our cheerleaders, our soft place to fall, and even call us on our crap when we start getting out of line because yeah. they care enough about us. And the beautiful, the, the difference between having a friendship and, you know, your spouse and your family is that you're not bound in any way by blood contracts, mm -hmm. you know, or anything like that, um, that vows, you know, the, the only thing that binds you together is choice and you choose to be together right? You choose that friendship. And the other different, big difference is our friendships don't need anything from us. Yes. It's not, oh my gosh, I, I just have to cut in here real quick. You know, you have those friends, quote unquote friends, 
who it's a tip for tat, right? It is, if I do something for you, you better do something for me. And in my head, those aren't true friendships. A true friendship should be just organic. I, my best friend for like 15 years, she's the only one besides my spouse and sister who have stuck with me so long, right? Over a decade, my sister, several decades. Uh, Thankfully for her, she's become one of my best friends, you know, is, you know, there were times where she financially was struggling and I would, I would take us out to dinner. I would pay for things, whatever. And sometimes I was financially, there was never a time where we felt that you have to do this for me. Right. It was just very Mm -hmm. organic. And so that what you said made me think of that is like, they don't, they're, they're not expecting something specific from you. Right. Right. Yeah. In my book, Lady in the Tribe, I go through all the different kinds of friendships and it's pretty, you're, you kind of, there's the, the people who are givers and then there are the people who are kind of balancing things out, like you said, tit for tat. And then there's the takers and you just, it's just good to be aware, you know, as you're interacting with people, what, you know, what that relationship looks like to decide, is this someone I want to deepen my connection with and make them tribe of sorts? Yeah. Yeah. And when, and when I say they don't need anything from you, I mean, our family and our kids love us and adore us and are, you know, will pick us up in the middle of the night, you know, they're there for us, but they also frequently need something from us. Mm-hmm. Yeah, totally. Have you heard of Shasta Nelson? Yes, I have. Yes. Yes. She was an early, early podcast guest, by the way. Like, I want to say the first or second year of this podcast, and the podcast has been going for over six years now. And um, so I'm going to link that up in the show note for anybody who hasn't, like, listened to it. She has a friendships just don't happen in front intimacy. And so what you're mm-hmm. saying right now makes me think of what Shasta uh, has shared a little bit. So I'm so happy that you've heard of her as well. <laughs> Oh yes, I sure have. We've, we've corresponded a a little too, but you know, email back and forth, but yes, she's brilliant. Um, absolutely spot on in, um, her talks on vulnerability and the Mm -hmm. need for that. So I actually definitely have read her books as well. And I will link your book as well. So people can start to read that. So you said lady in the tribe. Yep. It's lady in the tribe, how to create empowering friendship circles. Okay, we'll definitely link that up so people can um, can check it out. And because I mean, I feel like once you reach a certain point in your life when you're older, it's much harder to make friends than it was when you're younger, right? And and I, research shows this. So like young kids, they have school, right? And so they're making these connections at school. When you get older, you don't have as many places that you're making these regular connections. So it takes a little more effort. <laughs> To, right. to get these people um, and make friends. So I feel like the more books somebody can throw at me about friendships, the better. Right, right. Yes. So that's one of the big friendship myths out there is that friendships should just happen organically. Yeah. No, <laughs> it's if that's not happening for you, it's it's OK. It's not you. They don't just happen organically. They take work. And that's why I, I kind of differentiate the word friend. It is a noun, person, place, or thing, but a friendship is a verb and it requires action. The ship part of that word means move. You got to do something. You got to, you know, you, you got to 
I don't want to say work at it, but, but you have to, it has to be a priority of sorts. You have to, you know, do something. Make some effort there. How did you find your people? Like people, I mean, listeners might be going, well, well, Brenda, how did you find your people? Cause I don't know where to find my people. Yeah. Yeah. So that's an excellent question. And it's different for everybody because everyone's going to start from a different place. And mm-hmm. if you're starting with a big goose egg zero, that is okay. Just recognizing that it is, it's really a need in your life because we were not born to go it alone. We were born to belong. We were born to um, be in community. So the, yeah, the first place I would look would be to uh, kind of, is there anyone that I used to have a stronger friendship with, but life started happening and mm-hmm. we, we've drifted apart or just haven't really taken the time because, you know, you have those friends you see once a year or twice and you go, oh, we yeah. should get together soon, right? right. <laughs> you never do, right? So, you know, I would start just by jotting down that list of those names and just make, you know, set, get out there and make make a phone call, text, whatever. I recommend phone call because that kind of surprises people anymore. When you call them, they go, oh, what, what's happening? Right. Someone, she's calling me. That's weird. Um, and it's not weird. There, but because when you, when you, when you call and say, hey, I was just thinking of you. And you know, I thought uh, uh, maybe you bring up a time. I remembered that time that we did this. And I thought we have got to reconnect. Get your calendar out. Let's schedule a coffee. And then just, you know, start, you know, with intention, you know, reconnecting. And then maybe, maybe it's a friend of a friend. Maybe you know someone and they have a friend named Sue who you've seen and you're like, I like her energy and she's funny. I always wanted Mm -hmm. to get to know her better, but I don't really know her. Reach out and say, hey, we have a common friend and I would, I've always loved your energy and I would really love to get to know you a little better. And then, you know, when you get together, you have an automatic something to talk about because you know someone in common, mm-hmm. then you can just tell, say how wonderful she, that, that person is and, and start building that friendship. And then beyond that, you got it. Like I said, get off the couch, get out of the house, shake up your routine a little bit and, you know, may, explore an interest that maybe you've let go of mm-hmm. over the year. Maybe it's, you know, working out, you know, or, or just something to take care of yourself, uh, yoga or hiking or bird watching or art and sign up for a class or show up somewhere that they're doing those things because other people will be showing up too. And you already have something in common again. So that mm-hmm. something to talk about. And my number one piece of advice is because people are afraid to go out and say, oh, I don't want to start the conversation because it's I don't want them to think I'm weird and I'm nervous (laughs) that they're going to reject me and all this stuff. Well, here's the thing. They're nervous too. Yeah. They're there. They're there also to connect. They don't want, they're afraid to make the first move. So be the hero. And I have a great tip instead of showing up, trying to figure out, Oh, how am I going to be interesting? How am I going to make them like me? What do I do? Instead of trying to be interesting, go and be interested ask them a question. Yeah. Yeah. Ask them a question about them and let them talk, you know, let them share. I just uh, got this advice. So I just went through PhD application cycle. I had four interviews and I did not get an offer. And so I'm going to do it again in the end. One of my professors, like, I really want to 
to meet with you and give you some advice on where you may have went wrong with your interviews. She's like, because if you got four interviews and you didn't get accepted anywhere, it was the interview. She's like, cause on paper, you obviously look great. She's like, but once they met you, like they, like something happened. And one of the things I'm working on is interrupting people. <laughs> because she said that she said do you know you interrupt people a lot and I'm like no as she was just like you do and that's something you may have done and she's like in the New England area so we live in the north like I live in Connecticut she's like it's we're used to it it happens all the time that's what northern people do we interrupt each other we talk over each other that's what we do she's like but if you get to other places and you do this then they're gonna see it as rude but that's that's not the the point. The point is, she said, you need to ask them questions about themselves. She's like, you think that you're there for them to learn about you. And she's like, you kind of are. But you need to ask about them because it gives them the warm fuzzies. And then when they think about you, they're going to have these warm fuzzies because you asked about them. Absolutely. Nobody listens anymore. It's really hard to find a good listener. So it's really a fast track to friendship. If you would be, if you can be willing to ask the question and sit back and listen and just nod appropriately and ask follow-up questions and eventually it's going to turn and they're going to ask about you and it becomes much more, a much more nat natural, organic conversation, but it does take that first step of courage and just realize that you're being the hero and they're going to appreciate that because they want to talk to you too, probably, but they just were nervous. Also, it's how, how do I find an opening? Mm -hmm. But you just, you know, you just step into it. Yeah. And they might be intimidated. So apparently I, I have, this is not what my professor told me, but I've been told before. I am intimidating, not because in a, in a negative way, but more because I am so open and so willing to have conversations and I'm willing to have conversations about deep stuff. Like this is what I do, right? Like that's what I do on the podcast. We talk about deep stuff. And so sometimes that's intimidating because people think, oh man, she would never be friends with me because she's so open and so willing to talk. And, and I'm not like that. And really a lot of times I'm talking so much like in public things because I'm really nervous. <laughs> right. Right? Yes, but you do it anyway. And we have this perception of everybody and it's usually maybe half right. Right. <laughs> if we're lucky. <laughs> so yeah, I, I, so those are kind of my tips for, you know, finding, getting out there and finding new friends. But exploring an interest is always, it's, it's a double whammy benefit because you can kind of start diving into what, you know, drives you again and what mm -hmm. fills you up but also make, make those connections. And then a really important piece is when you are, let's say at yoga and you've been, you've shown up for, you got to show up for three times to any of these things. Uh, even if it's just like a networking thing, don't just go once. That's going to, that's a first day is awkward. It's not going to be great. You're yeah. going to be like, uh, that was weird. Uh, that was not that comfortable. Second time's a little better. You start recognizing a few people. And then the third time, then, you know, you're, you're in, you are a part of that thing. And then that's a great time to start scheduling, you know, having that conversation and then scheduling a offsite different place connection, because that sends the message that I'm interested in you and I would like to grow our friendship. Yeah. Yeah. And it, it, it can, it can be really awkward. 
I've I've definitely started friendships where I'm just like, you're so cool. You want to be friends? <laughs> yeah, that works. It really and works. It's, it's worked out. Yes, it's worked out in my favor. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. So those are some of my tips for for friendship. But it's really important for you for us to as uh, moms to, um, you know, if this is if if people are still in the middle of of having kids and family. You know, just kind of think about this. You don't, it doesn't have to go this way. You don't have to go through a, a you know three-year midlife funk. Um, just remember that you are a better mom when you are whole. Yeah. And we don't realize that we become, we empty ourselves out and we don't fill back up. Absolutely. And so how did having these friendships help you? Cause you talked about like, it did help you in what ways, in what ways did it help you? Cause there might be women, moms or women in general or non-binary people or whoever listening who are like, okay, that's great. But uh, you say it helped you. How did it help you? Why should I put myself in this situation where it's a little awkward, but it will turn out eventually. Why? How did it help you? Okay. I love this question. So first of all, I want to, I'm going to start by, I call my, my friends, my tribe and a tribe is not a clique of women who go out clubbing and all that kind of stuff and are all (laughs) exclusive. Not at all. Your tribe is your three to five uh, people in the world that know you, love you and take, you know, are there for you uh, beyond outside of your family. So they may or may not be even friends with each other. Um, Mm -hmm. so how it really benefits me and, and I, that I propose all women is that we find people that, uh, have different areas of life that we want to continue to grow and explore in. Mm. Uh, for example, you know, when I got married, I, I used to camp all the time and, and sit by the campfire and drink a glass of wine and do all these outdoorsy things and hike. And my husband's just really not a fan. He says, well, let's go to the Broadmoor instead and go to the hotel and just have a nice weekend. I'm like, oh, that sounds good. So I just kind of for years lost that piece that I just mm-hmm. love. So I have an outdoorsy friend that we are able to go and do things where we hike and we and we can camp when we can do that campfire or whatever. And that just, it allows me to continue to explore that. And then I have mm-hmm. the friend that I love to go shopping with. And then I have the friend that's my like, um, wise counsel and confidant. If I have an issue in my life that I really need some advice on, and I can really trust that uh, it stays with her, and she's looking out for my best interest. And so, just depending on the many areas of your life that you may or may not have kind of never been able to explore or stopped exploring at one point, you want to have women that fill you up in that way and friendships. And that, you know what, it's gonna, it could save your marriage Mm -hmm. because as I was doing my interviews with women, I I would ask, you know, tell me about your best friend. Well, a lot of women said my husband's my best friend. Yeah. And I think, and I think that's wonderful. And it obviously it needs, it's a super, it's like a, one of the, if not the most important, it's a very important relationship in your life. But that is a lot of pressure for one person Mm -hmm. to have to be everything for you to fit up, fill all your needs. When you have a tribe of women, friendships, or, you know, and, you know who, what men, friendships, whatever this, you know, for me, it's, it's my, my, my lady tribe. Uh, they take, they relieve my husband of all that stuff. Yeah. 
of entertaining me in that way. And when I get to go out and do my things, well, he can go explore some of his interests and fill his own tank, you know, go do his karate. You go do that. No, I don't want to do that with you. Thank you. You yeah. just go do that. <laughs> right. <laughs> I can, uh, so, I can relate. I can relate. Um, my spouse is not a super social person. He's pretty introverted. He does not like to do a lot of social things that involve a lot of people. So he prefers social things that is just a few people that makes him most comfortable, right? He has no issue going to a friend's house to play games if it is just a couple people. But I just recently went to a drag show and I said to him like, next time you need to come with me. And he's like, you know, that's not my thing. He's like, that's a lot of people and that's super social. And I just don't like that. And so I agree with you having those friends you can do things with that maybe your spouse doesn't want to. And it is so much pressure to put on them to be the one and only thing person for you in your life. Like, oh, that would be, oh, that would be so much. If my spouse, he has one best, best friend that he talks to on occasion, but the fact that he has that person and I don't have to be the end all be all for him and that I can go and do things and not feel bad about it because he's home by himself. Right. Uh, oh my God. I couldn't even imagine if I was the only, only person in his life that he had any sort of relationship with that would be, it would be too much. It would be too much. Right. And when you do have even issues with, with your spouse, not that you go and nag about him to your girlfriends or anything like that, but maybe you really truly need some advice and to say, Hey, am I, am I way off here? Because sometimes we are right. Sometimes, yeah. <laughs> sometimes we're, you know, just, we want what we want or whatever. Uh, and we need to be told, ah, that's a, you know, Brenda, that is a little, maybe, you know, a little, ease into it. Or maybe you need someone to just say, heck yeah, screw him. That was wrong. You know, I love those friends that just agree with me and go, and and not only that, they amp it up and go, or not about my spouse so much, but just about things that, that have like upset me. And they're like, oh, they get mad for me. They get mad. They like, oh, I'm, you know, those women that are, that your soft place to fall, your confidants, your cheerleaders, uh, it, it gives you your sense of belonging from, from this platform of this, uh, um, tribe of support, I can launch and do anything. I am, I'm much more powerful from this vantage point because if I go out and do something wild and crazy, that like a big dream, I'm going after it. I have some, I have help when, if, if, when it, you know, the few times maybe it doesn't work out because, you know, success takes many failures. Yeah. I, I have a spot to fall back and reconvene and go, Oh, Hey, that was okay. You did. That was great. This was great. And I saw this, we'll work on that. You know, a place to just, I can't ever really fall too low if I've got this tribe of support. Yeah. How has that made you a better mom? Because people might be listening and thinking, well, you talked about how you're struggling as and, you know, and your life became all about your kids, but how has having this, you know, extra support outside of your family, how has that made you a better mom? Cause you talked about how it's made you a better person. Right. Well, I'm, I'm a better mom because I'm showing them the way that mm-hmm. it's, that it's not that I don't have to give up everything that I do have in my calendar scheduled time for girlfriends that I'm not going to budge for them because they need a ride somewhere. Hey, right. this is on my, this is my time and it's important. And I come back a nicer person, <laughs> you know, because we need a break. 
and uh, we show we're showing them how to be live a successful life, to be have live a full whole life, not just. I mean, you don't. To be honest, when when I, my kids started, when we, my son went to college, he was worried about me, and he um, got he bought three fish tanks and filled them with fish so that I would have something to do. <laughs> Thank you very much. I'm still dealing with that. But, uh, you know, and, and my daughter said, I'm worried about you, you know, when, but so we don't want them to worry. They don't need to have mm-hmm. that stress on them that they know if your life revolves around them, you yeah. know, and, and sometimes that probably feels pretty good to them. But at some point they're like, oh, get a life, mom. <laughs> Yes. My kids celebrate when I go out someplace. They're like, good for you. Like when I went to the drag show uh, last weekend when we're talking, but many, many weekends ago when people are hearing this and they're like, good for you, mom. And I was like, thank you. They want you to be happy. They want you to be whole. They want the, yeah. And, and not be like watching them all the time. Yes. Cause they have their own social things too. And they will tell me about their friends and my daughter does track and she knows she has a blast with that. And I do as best as I can to be supportive and, and, you know, be there for her. But I'm like, you know, this is not a lot of fun for me, but (laughs) I don't tell her that. I'm very enthusiastic for her. Um, But having those things, yes, I feel like, your kids will be worried about you because they, the older they get, the more they catch on to like, oh, I am it. Like mom doesn't have anything else. And then of course, I, of course they would be worried about you. Right. And I'm sure it's relieving to them to have, you have all of these friendships in this social life now. Absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, nothing is worse than your kids leaving and you, you're going to be in this deep depression until you finally have grandkids. Right. I mean, because that's the meaning of my life. You know, we, I believe that we were, we're all born with this innate gift to give back to this world. And it's not you, it's not all about our kids. It's about something that we truly have in our heart and our why in our um, purpose and passion to I think we all are going to can change the world in our own unique way for the better. And at this point, you know, our moms uh, that have raised these wonderful beings and launched them are in a perfect position to start figuring out what that is that lights their fire, fires them up, makes them want to jump out of bed in the morning and make something happen and do something, uh, you know, it can be, it can seem like a small thing, but if you can make a change in the world that helps in any way, you are saving the world. Yeah. We've had a couple of moms on to talk about what it was like to be uh, an empty nester. And it's always a common theme. It's always, I made my life revolve around my kids. And then when they left, I did not know what to do with myself. I was so confused. I was so lonely. I was so depressed. I was so this and that. And then they found a purpose because, I, you know, even though we don't talk about business and entrepreneurship on this podcast, I attract a lot of entrepreneurs and business people. (laughs) I think it's because, you know, it's always, I mean, when I was an entrepreneur too, it was always like, get publicity, get out there, get your, you know, voice, face, whatever out there. And, uh, 
It's always they started their business because they saw a need because of what they've been through. Right. Absolutely. That's the best training ground for sure. For sure. Well, as we wrap up the podcast today, what would you like to leave the Inspired Women audience with? Oh boy. So I guess my number one goal that I uh, work with my women coaching clients on is the very first thing is to kind of peel back the layers and rediscover your why. Rediscover uh, what it is that lights your fire beyond your family. Um, And I ask them to go through a why exercise. You know, what is your why? And then kind of peel back the layers until you can. And a lot of them are like, what do you mean? Well, that's your mission statement. That's your personal, it's why you exist. And we many times have forgotten that. So uh, you can probably just Google it. There's lots of great resources out there. Um, and there's probably books out there. Yeah. There's books around out there about (laughs) it, but, uh, if you're kind of going through that, Hmm, I don't know what's next for me. You know, what, what is it? That's a a great place to start because if you can find, you know, when, when you figure out what your why is and some people it happens like that. And some people takes, you know, lots of exercises, but when you figure that out, you, you're going to have like, first of all, the the goosebumps because you go, Oh, Oh, that's it that's it. And that it will absolutely spark something within you that you want to go after. And, and it's going to, you know, just change the trajectory of your energy and your life. Yes. So that was step one. Are there other steps? Oh, there are steps. There's there. (laughs) I found that there's there's about right now. (laughs) Yeah. There's about 10 steps for, for women to get on there, you know, really, really, really filled up again and at, in a place where they're like unstoppable. So yes, there are, there are, there are several steps, but uh, it's, it's a beautiful, wonderful journey to find yourself again. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and, and, and in the process, I mean, building your tribe, find your lady tribe is definitely one of those steps as well. Oh, I was going to ask you if the steps are in your book. But the book is about finding your tribe and how to create those connections. Yeah, there's a few of the steps in the book for sure. Yeah, it's kind of a starting point. I'm actually um, right now writing my my second book. I'm in the middle of that. And it's called, And She Lived, Ignite Your Life's Purpose and Save the World. Wow. See, I can't even imagine writing a book. I have wrote manuscripts for academic journals, uh, but those are like- Yeah, but those are like maybe 20 pages and then books are like hundreds of pages sometimes. And that's a lot. That's a very, uh, that's a big undertaking. So congratulations on not only writing one, but now being in the middle of writing another because I just, wow, that's a lot. Thank you. I want to also congratulate you on six years with this podcast. That is really impressive and very. you should be very proud of that. I'm thinking I might set a goal to go 10, but then I'm like, well, then that kind of like makes me have to go to it. <laughs> right, right. I know. Every year I set like a new, like, 
towards the end of the year, I'll say on the podcast, all right, I'm going to do it another year. Right. So like, but towards the end of the year, I decide, yes, I'm going to do another year of this. Really, honestly, what makes me not want to do it is all the admin BS that I have to do in the background. I hate responding to emails. I hate editing, but I love the interviews. That's my favorite part. So someday, someday when I have the extra cash flow, I'm going to hire a personal assistant who can do all the things I hate. <laughs> I get it. I, I actually have a podcast as well. It's in off season. I'm just going to say it's called find your lady tribe. And I get it. I'm a one, one woman show there too, as far as doing all the editing and all that, because first of all, I'm kind of a control freak. I don't know about you, Megan. <laughs> I want it the way I want it. Right. But also, yeah, exactly. It's just, it's uh it's a one woman show and it's a lot of work. Well, Brenda, thank you so much for coming on the podcast today. Megan, thank you for having me have a wonderful gosh, it's summertime. Woohoo. Thank you for being a part of the inspired women audience. If you enjoyed this episode, please leave us a rating review. And don't forget to share this out with somebody who could use some inspiration today. Tag us at inspired women podcast, both on Facebook and Instagram. Have a great day.